0: Coming up this week, I've got another special podcast episode for you. I was recently a guest on the Diesel podcast discussing electric vehicles, the future of electric transportation or, well, the future of transportation in general. Uh, And then, of course, answering some questions about EVs. So check it out. You won't want to miss this.
1: Excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. Today's episode is going to be really cool. I've got Zach from EV Resource. He hosts a podcast where he talks about electric vehicles, new models, performance, trends, things that are going on in the electric vehicle market. And him and I were chatting, and we wanted to have a, a really insightful podcast and discussion about electric vehicles, where they're at now, the future of them, and how diesel and a little bit of gas, how it's all fitting together, or could fit together into transportation in the future. And there's some questions I'm going to ask him that came directly from our audience on Discord. So I want to invite you guys, if you're not on our Discord channel, you're going to find a link down below. you got to join. It's completely free. But uh, yeah, Zach and I are going to have a, a conversation about performance, being a vehicle enthusiast, and really what the what future is holding. And we wanted to keep politics aside and just have an intellectual you know, discussion about this and see see where things are headed. So I'm going to be learning a lot. I don't know a lot of, about electric vehicles, a lot about the technology or the infrastructure that's there, but it's going to be a, a fun podcast. Zach, welcome to the Diesel Podcast. Today's our... our uh, it's a really interesting episode we're going to be doing, chatting about electric vehicles and diesel, how it all works together. And it was really cool. I, I found you... I think I was doing a search um, on Google for like the top electric vehicle podcast. You were on there and I went to your Instagram. It was really cool. So we're going to have a a really spirited conversation today. There's a lot that I don't know about electric vehicles. It's going to be really fun to learn from you ask some questions from our audience and just learn more about this new, this uh, I wouldn't even call it a trend. I think it's really the future of what, you know, automotive and traveling is going to be. So it's going to be a great conversation. Well,
0: thank you very much for having me on. It's uh, I'm been looking forward to this actually, so it's a pleasure to be here.
1: Me too. I've been thinking about it a, a lot since we had originally chatted, and I thought, well, what questions am I going to ask? What do I want to know? You know, I I don't know a ton about electric vehicles, other than you know I keep hearing about them. I keep seeing new models. I see you know, the big three are, are making a push in the future towards them. I'm a performance enthusiast at heart, so I see these torque numbers and acceleration numbers, and I get excited. Um, but I wanted to start with a little bit about you know your background with being an automotive enthusiast, and how you know what your journey was to be able to you know, do a show and a podcast and everything about electric vehicles. How did you How did you get to this point? Sure. Yeah. It's a. Uh,
0: it's been an interesting journey, actually. Looking back on it, it's kind of like, oh, okay that that was weird, um, and I'll explain that in a second. So I as a teenager, my older brother, he came home from college one time and and he knew so much about cars. And I was like, how did you learn all this? And he really introduced me to like a sport compact car and these tuning magazines back in the nineties and all of that and early two thousands. And I just fell in love with cars and going fast. And like, I'd go down to the drag strip and just that the smell of the burning tires and fuel and all of that. I love it. Love every bit of it. Uh, I ended up going to school to learn how to work on my first car, which was an 88 Toyota Super Turbo that broke, or I broke it uh, all the time. (laughs) So I said, you know what, I need to learn how to fix this. So I went through the Toyota Technical Education Network, got an associate's degree of, of applied science, automotive technology, and learned that I love working my own cars, hated working on everybody else's. So it wasn't a career move, but it was great to have that knowledge and Very early on, I had decided that everything I was going to do for work was either going to be on a car, in a car, for a car, uh, because like it just, it was so central to my being and always has been, Um, you know, I've been very, very passionate about performance, going fast. Uh, I actually worked for Anderson Walco Racing a little bit when I worked down uh, in Florida when I lived there. Uh, So it's, it's very much running through my blood and When I moved up here and I got a new job, um, oh, actually, I I did, I was telling you, I did have a 2004 uh, Dodge Ram 2500 uh, turbo (laughs) diesel that was just one of the best vehicles I've ever had. I mean, I really loved it. Um, But I got a new job and I I needed to travel a lot more and I ended up getting a base model Honda Civic. So you can imagine the shock that I went through, (laughs) you know, going from one to the other. And I was bored. You know, This thing made 105 horsepower, and I mean, it was a manual, thankfully, um, but I was bored out of my mind, and I said, okay, I need a way to have fun without really modifying this car to go faster because, of course, then reliability would be an issue, and I needed reliable transportation. So once again, actually, my brother suggested making a game out of getting better gas mileage, and let me tell you, that took me down a road I never anticipated where <laughs> i actually modified the car to the point aerodynamics uh removed the all the belts so the only thing the engine was doing was actually running the wheels i built my own battery pack in the trunk to run all the electronics um it got over 80 miles the gallon on the highway wow yeah like
1: just i had fun <laughs> it was
0: a great build every dollar i put into it i saved like two so i mean how often does that ever happen
1: yeah never happened
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know but then uh i We were looking at um, replacing that, getting a car for my wife, because she did a lot of food delivery, and I was like, you know what? Let's look at an electric car, because, I mean, the cost of operating is like a, a penny per mile. I mean, it's next to nothing, and so we ended up buying a 2016 Chevy Spark EV two and a half years ago. and. I knew a lot about EVs. I mean, I'm, I'm a technical person. I do my research. I want to know what I'm getting into. But even then, I didn't realize how much I didn't know. You know, there was so much that the first month of owning that car that I was like, oh, okay, that would have been good to know. I mean, it didn't really change my mind about it. Um, but it definitely was, was eye-opening. So that's actually how I started... EV resource, you know, in the podcast. And originally it was just supposed to be a webpage that people could get information on. (laughs) It wasn't supposed to be all this other stuff. And now it's just evolved so much. Um, And EVs have really become a passion because uh, primarily the money savings, you know, from the financial aspect, they really over the life of the car can save people a lot of money. Um, But ultimately it's a new and exciting technology that outperforms anything else um, for the most part. There are obviously some gaps. Uh, <laughs> there are definitely some areas that uh, will be improved. You know, I, I have full confidence that, you know, over the coming decades, that we will see uh, the niche needs taken. You know, uh, EVs will fill that. Right now, they're primarily targeting, you know, the majority of people, like eighty percent of the people, because most people don't drive more than thirty-nine miles a day. That's their commute to and from work. Maybe going around getting groceries. Um, So it's, it's interesting. People think they need, uh, you know, a 700 mile car. That's a lot of batteries to be, you know, and therefore weight to be hauling around with you all the time. So I think we'll see those vehicles, but that's not going to be the majority that are on the road.
1: That's a really good insight because a lot of, you know, when I was preparing for this podcast and we have a a discord channel where a lot of the podcast fans are on there and I said, Hey, I'm going to do an episode, you know, chatting with a podcast host that, um, you know, specializes in EVs and we're going to just chat about the future of that and diesel and all these things. And they approached it from a different angle of, well, how can I, I need to go farther than 250 to 300 miles or, um, how am I going to you know travel from state to state to state? And, I was thinking about that and then I was doing a little bit of research on the Ford F-150, the, the lightning, the electric one that they have. And they were saying, you know, like three quarters of their of the F-150 owners aren't going to exceed that range of that electric vehicle in a week. And you know, it, it started to get me to think about how much do we really commute and how, how does this electric vehicle trend fit into, you know, everybody's everyday life. And it was really insightful what you just said about how it is right now. It, it's not like it's completely finalized. It's reached the peak of know. its tech you yeah. know, technology and everything. It's still very new, but it's exciting. You know, when I think back to what was an electric vehicle, I don't know when they first came out or hit the market, but they didn't really appeal to me. Like visually, they didn't really, they didn't really capture my attention. And then you know, I've started to see more Teslas on the road, and I'm like, "That's a really nice car." Like, I like the lines of it. Um, I don't hear anything, but I they look quick. I mean, they accelerate pretty fast, and it started to get those wheels spinning. As far as you know, performance or just excitement at driving something, because we all want that, no matter whether we drive a pickup truck or a car or whatever it might be. We we like the thrill of acceleration. We like the performance or the handling or just different parts of it. It's that driving experience.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that theme parks exist. People love the thrill of a roller coaster. Um, So why not have that in your garage too? You know, I mean, it's, it's one of those things. And of course, uh, the fastest accelerating production vehicle in the world right now is electric. And you can get that for less than $150,000 to be able to run low nines in the quarter, zero to 60 in roughly two seconds or so, depending on whether you're counting the one foot rollout or not. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's insane the the yeah. power that you can get the performance for so little money. You used to have to spend millions of dollars to have a vehicle that stock would be able to perform like that. Now, of course, you can modify something, um, but then are you going to be able to daily drive that or you know pick up the kids and go to swim practice in yeah. a car that's got a thousand horsepower? I mean, it's just you know it's it's insane to think of how far we've come just in the last decade. Uh, but I mean, honestly the way I see EVs fitting into the future for most likely the majority of your listeners is not to replace anything, but an addition, you know, cause if you're running your groceries or you're commuting to and from work, why not do all of that with an electric car and then save, you know, the truck for when you need it. Or yeah. if you're driving 700 miles in a week or whatever, you know I mean? There's, there's going to be those occasions where, you know what you'd probably find that a lot of people would save a decent amount of money even even to the point where it would pay for the car itself just because you're not spending all the money on maintenance and fuel for the other vehicles and then save them preserve them keep them in better shape you know don't put all the miles on a car that you love put it on an ev that with the the they don't have as many parts to break, you know. There's very little maintenance. In two and a half years, the only money I've put into my car has been front tires and washer fluid. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's it's uh, it's insane.
1: Well, that's a really good, a really good topic. I, I definitely like to learn more about is as far as the maintenance costs because that, that was kind of one of the questions that, that somebody had asked me, um, you know, for this episode was, you know, they're they're used to the oil changes, and this is whether it's gas or diesel. They're used to oil changes. They're used to all these different things that you just got to do you know, per year. But as far as, you know, having a daily driver commuter, is there sort of an average that you could point to and say, this is going to be your average maintenance costs per year for this vehicle and not taking into account necessarily charging it, or maybe you can, you know, what it, what it would cost to, to charge a vehicle, you know, per week to commute it. I think that that's really important too. I think to have, you know, our audience understand how this is all fitting together in the future of automobiles is. So um, in
0: terms of, uh, fueling and maintenance and repairs, uh, not the vehicle cost itself, you know, taking out the payment or insurance, things like that, but just the operating costs, Typically, what I'll tell people is to calculate half a cent to one and a half cents per mile, and that's what you can expect from an EV in terms of operating costs. So, if you drive, you know, fifty thousand miles, we'll call it what fifty bucks. Uh, is that one cent per mile? I don't know. I'm doing <laughs> the math off the top of my head. Somebody with a calculator, correct me if I'm <laughs> if I'm off. But uh, even if it was five hundred dollars, I mean, it's it's pennies compared to. Uh, or any vehicle that uses an internal combustion engine so um yeah you know for people that need the sound and the smell of a car in order to consider it to be a fun experience well great um then keep that i don't really experience the fun when i'm sitting in rush hour traffic so for me, it's better to have a car that's just smooth, quiet, doesn't vibrate. So I'm not exhausted at the end of, uh, you know, a yeah. road trip or something like that. <laughs> um, the strangest uh, and I I've known that EVs are better for road trips in terms of how you as a human being feel by the end of it. But I, I only experienced that recently. Uh, I rented uh, Tesla Model S off of Turo of all places. So somebody else's car that I just, you know, <laughs> rented it and drove from Virginia to Florida and back. And I drove overnight to get down to Florida and I just took little cat naps while the car was charging. I didn't sleep, just took little naps. I got to Florida in the morning and I was wide awake. I felt rested, not tired at all. You know, when you go on a long road trip, typically you just your whole body kind of aches and you just feel sore. And I didn't feel that at all. It was very un—I wasn't—I wasn't wasn't expecting it, even though you know in my head I knew that people had that kind of experience. But for me, it was the best road trip experience I've had in my life. Even though, yes, I had to stop six times to charge the car because it was older, as a 2015, so uh, it didn't go quite as far as the cars do now. Um, But yeah, it was, it was definitely very interesting.
1: What do you find when you're traveling as far as the availability of being able to charge a vehicle? Like are there places, or resources you can go to ahead of time so you know exactly what your stops are gonna be and how much time's involved in the charge? Absolutely.
0: Yeah, older cars uh, unfortunately don't have it built in unless it's a Tesla and they, they are just, I'll set them aside <laughs> temporarily. Um, and I like to set Tesla aside a lot because people don't realize there's so many other options. Um, the older vehicles do not have the chargers built into like the navigation. So when you enter in your destination, it, it will tell you where to, you need to stop. Newer EVs like the, um, the Mach-E, the Ford uh, SUV that has it in there, the Porsche Taycan, all of the Teslas, those are going to have that built in. Um, for me with my car, if I'm going on a longer trip, I use an app called PlugShare. And it's basically an open source, although it was just recently bought by a charging network, so we'll see what happens. But uh, it has been open source where people can uh, report a charging station and also users can rate the charging station based on if it's working or how well it's working. Um, So that's really good because you have a trip planner built into that where you can actually plan out your trip based on the car that you're driving and weather conditions and kind of if it's winter, obviously you're not going to have the same range. So you can actually scale that back and set it however you want. Um, Teslas, they make it so easy. I mean, honestly, it's, it's insane where you just put in your destination and it will tell you every stop along the way, what your percentage of battery when you get there and when you leave, what time it expects that you'll be there. It's they've really designed all of the thinking into the, the computer on the car. I mean, they made it super easy. So if you were to ask me the best road trip vehicle is going to be a Tesla model S Um, they just, they, it makes it easy. Absolutely. I mean, that's really just the, the, the best part of that. It makes it, absolutely easy now can you refill in five minutes no but honestly on a road trip if you've been driving for a couple hours do you only want to rest for five minutes before you're back out on the road again no i'm usually uh, yeah. I'm you not. know or or if you have kids with you there's no chance that you're you're stopped for less than 30 minutes because <laughs> yeah anyway i won't get into the kids but i've got three so i know like you know it's it, i mean you're looking at hour-long stops no matter what car you're in <laughs> so yeah it, it's it's definitely, um, it's getting there. I think the biggest thing that we need for um, just EV charging and the infrastructure, aside from faster and more fast chargers, um, we need signage because there are tens of thousands of fast chargers littered all across every major interstate in the u.s the exception being like montana is kind of sparse like north dakota um but pretty much everywhere else like if you're going on the east coast up and down i-95 or the west coast up and down five um or across on like i-70 or the southern route route 10 they're all over the place people have no idea
1: you know
0: if you're not looking for them if you aren't thinking about it you're never gonna really see them because they're in the parking lot of walmart (laughs) they're not at the gas station on the corner uh they're where people are going to be shopping or eating um there's a here in richmond there's a fast charger on the third floor of a parking deck where there's a gym well if if you don't know that you're never going to know that and there's no signs like on the interstate there's a sign for fueling stations you know which ones and how far they are off Mm -hmm. the interstate If we had just basic signage telling people where the EV chargers were, even if you don't have an EV, then it starts to get in your head. Oh, okay, I'm fine. It's there. People don't know that. So they don't see it. So then they go, well, there aren't enough or where am I going to charge? Once you are an EV owner, that question quickly evaporates because they are, for the most part, all over the place. If you live in an urban area, there's going to be fast chargers all around you. If you're in the middle of the country or the north middle, like I was mentioning, there's some work to be done there, but also there aren't as many people there either. So that's all I'm gonna include for our episode today. If you do wanna hear the entire 40-minute conversation, it does continue. You can head over to the Diesel Podcast on YouTube and Spotify and a few others, I believe. I do wanna thank the Diesel Podcast for reaching out and inviting me to have the conversation with them. Certainly uh, not the first invite that I would expect, um, but it was fun, I had a lot of fun and uh, would love to do it again sometime in the future. For those of you who are watching the EV Resource Podcast, because you're interested in electric vehicles. Uh, I will be returning to the regular EV news next week. Uh, This past week I was in Kansas with my family and not only forgot to bring my microphone, but also the wrong hard drive. So all of my files were left at home and apparently I can't do trip packing very well. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit the subscribe or follow button. That way you'll get all the future podcast episodes delivered to you automatically. And if you're on the East Coast looking for some fun in your EV, then head over to electricvehiclefest.com and register for the EV Fall Festival. There's going to be track time, tons of fun. uh, And the folks actually from EVSR, or Entropy Racing, are bringing their race cars for you all to be able to drive around the track as well. I will have more details on that later. Anyway, a big shout out to our Patreon executive producers, Rajiv Narayan and Greg Fuller. If you'd like to support the EV Resource podcast, you can check us out there at patreon.com slash EV Resource. I invite all of your feedback, especially for this episode, via email to hello at ev-resource.com. You can always leave a comment on the YouTube video. And if you want to listen to any of the previous shows, you can find them on the webpage under the podcast section and on most of the major podcast platforms. So thank you so much for being with me and your patience for the last two weeks with changing it up a little bit. I will be back to the news and catch you all next week.